Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is supported by SafeBand. SafeBand is the indigo silicon wristband that lets people know that you, or a member of your family, has been vaccinated to protect them from COVID-19. And with every SafeBand that's ordered by you, or people like you, we donate one to a frontline key worker or vulnerable member of the community. Slowly, life will return to how it once was. Until then, we're determined to get things back to normal for those who've taken the first step. Find out more by clicking the link in the description or visiting safeband.me. to the Chelsea. Here we are again. Another one game week. I don't know. I'm confused. What's happened to all that football that we had? Days and days of it. Every day with Chelsea were playing and then they were playing in two days later. And now it all feels so quiet. Well, to discuss the silence of fewer games is Mr Andy Saunders. Are you feeling quiet today? Am I feeling quiet today? What, generally? Yes. Well, it's got a kind of Sunday vibe. It is Sunday. Um, Mother's Day, obviously. So, uh, yeah, feeling pretty chilled. Had a really horrifically busy week. I don't know about you. So, quite enjoying the, the downtime of it, if I'm honest. Look, it's, are you finding that actually the world is waking up and wanting more of you and demanding more now that it seems as though possibly lockdown is coming towards an end? I mean, still got weeks to go. Yeah. But... Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I work in the music industry, as, as regular listeners will know, and, you know, people are starting to think about live shows and they're thinking about, you know, actually putting out those releases they'd held back, you know, because of the pandemic. So it's getting very, very busy. I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people who are seeing their industries reopen and starting to scrabble around getting things in order for when people can properly engage with them but yeah I'm not moaning I mean it's nice to have the work and it's nice to be um nice to be busy but you know it's just last week really really was a a sort of step up in in activity for me so uh so enjoying enjoying the weekend I have to say yeah and uh well we'll we'll talk about Chelsea in a minute but is it quite nice that we've got that out the way so you can actually just relax rather than be a bit apprehensive on a Sunday about the game to come I quite like we've had this conversation fairly recently didn't we I quite like the early game because if you if you play one of the first games and you get a result uh you know hopefully you win then you can just look at all the other games with a certain amount of of relaxation um obviously we didn't we didn't win this game we drew it so there's still a little bit of stake for some of the other games but I don't mind it if I'm honest I'd rather that than play the last game on a Monday night, I don't, I don't like that, you know, so much. I'd much prefer to play early. 
Yeah, I, I hate Monday night games. It just still feels wrong to me. Yeah. Bit like bit like Thursday night or Friday. Mm. Thursday night means you're a bit of a loser and Friday's just weird. Yeah. That's the weirdest day of the week. Yeah, it is the game. weirdest day. You shouldn't be in football on Friday. No, really shouldn't. So yeah, the the other thing I just wanted to mention quickly, um, the creation story. Um oh. this is all about you, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not in it actually. What? Is that no. because you demanded too much for them to, to impersonate you? Well, I said, I said I would only be played by Tom Hardy or, uh, or Russell Crowe, and neither were available, so, you know, it's their loss. <laughs> no, it's that... interesting. I mean, what you're referring to, of course, is the new film that's coming yeah. out, Creation Stories, which is uh, written by Irvin Welsh, the, uh, the author of Train Spotting, and uh, directed by Nick Moran of uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, and it's the story of Alan McGee, who was the Scottish record label boss who ran creation records who, who owned creation records who discovered oasis and a bunch of other bands during Britpop and uh and and his story and it's a company i worked with and i worked closely with alan for a decade um in the 90s um and had some wild and crazy times um and you know would like to think i was very much part of that story but the actual story is like a sort of fever dream of of of, of alan's experiences um and as alan says himself it's irving welsh's interpretation of his life rather than his life so it's a little bit like 24-hour party people you know the michael winterbottom film that was made about factory records it has a kind of similar vibe to that so the actual detail of the people that work there isn't isn't really included it's more a sort of broad sort of brushstroke of alan's life and his his uh his uh you know sort of rise and fall and ultimate redemption so yeah it's, it's okay it's all right yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's weird that he's really, for a lot of people, only really known for Oasis, which, of course, as I think you pointed out on Twitter today, um, he was not the manager of Oasis. He was the label boss. Why can't people understand the difference? It's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, just just if you're going to write about an industry, at least get the basic things right. You know, people often refer to as, you know, music mogul, Alan McGee, manager and producer of Oasis. He was no such thing. He was the record label boss. I mean, it's fairly obvious. The clues in the name of those of those jobs. He didn't manage the band. That was somebody else. It's, I know that's really pedantic, and I know people are like, get over yourself. But I think if you work in industry, at least make the effort to get the, the job titles right. Yeah, but also it's like saying, oh, the goalkeeper's not a bad striker. Yeah. What are well, you they're both, talking They're both about? footballers, Kerry. Yeah, that's it. That's the only, only thing they share a pitch, you know, which is the same thing with a label boss and a manager. Yeah. Because believe you me, they are not the same person no, most not of the at time. All. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's kind of weird seeing seeing that story up on the screen, you know, because I lived it, you know. So it's uh, there's been a few books about creation records, but this is the first time somebody's made a film. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting piece of work. I'm very, very close to it, so I probably haven't got the, the best the best and most objective take on it but um be interesting to see what people think yeah and and also it just shows we're getting older if people are trawling back the years to find things that were part of our lives that are now film worthy it's bizarre isn't it shows how how much it that whole period has become historical yeah. And important. I think all periods, all, all periods, particularly in the creative arts, they have their own importance and their own history. You know, there will be people looking back and on the noughties and, 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 you know, the period that we're in at the moment, you know, looking back at the impact that grime had or the impact that, you know, certain other genres had. And, you know, although we're very close to them at the moment and we can't see how, how that's going to have such significance, in 20 years' time, people will look back and see it as being an important part of whatever came next. I watched a programme last night on the 80s. I don't know if you saw it, the Dominic Sandbrook one, and talking about new romantics and talking about some of the genres that happened then that seemed very inconsequential and shallow and and fluffy at the time. But you look back at them now and say they were a real gear change, a real cultural you know, dial changer in what they did, but they didn't seem to have any significance at the time. So, you know, time, time always layers on interest and history on things. Yeah, without doubt. And was that the one that was about Blitz? 
Yeah, well, it's, yeah. no, it was just a, it was just a program about about the eighties, and it you know it talked about that during it talked about retail and it talked about all sorts of things. And music was clearly a, a big cultural part of the eighties, so it just mentioned it. And, and then I watched the thing on Top of the Pops in the eighties, and it was similar. You know, you looked at all these things and you thought, well, this is all just pop nonsense. But actually, you look back on it now, and it was really significant because it le- it led to other things, and that's what. That's what creative movements do, whether it's art or music or photography or whatever. Hey, talking about history, though, it's interesting that in the last week, I think in the last week, two of our most iconic games have had anniversaries. So I think 16 years ago, 16 years ago was that 4-2 Chelsea-Barcelona game that John Terry scored the header in and, and Ronaldinho scored that goal. So that wow. was 16 years ago. And as my son pointed out, if somebody was born on the day of that game, they'd have grown up. Uh, and could join the army and get legally married. That's how old we are. And also today, the day that we're recording it, is the ninth anniversary of the Napoli game in the lead-up to the Champions League win in, in 2012. Another iconic game at the bridge nine years ago. It was actually iconic. When you look back on it... it oh, we that, were game kind was, of, that game was incredibly that iconic. Napoli game. No, but I mean, even with, with distance, you go, that was such an important game because I, th- I I don't know how you felt and if you remember it but it just felt like it's another year um and we're not going to go far do you remember that yeah that, that whole feeling it was just incredible that that Napoli game god you're really making me go back in time I can feel it feel a tear welling up yeah it's also the uh, the anniversary today of another iconic game which is us playing Club Bruges do you remember that in the in the cup winners cup at the bridge yes yes you know, I do that, and that was that that was also a um uh I'm trying to think what, what I'm trying to work out what date that was um but Who it was scored? uh uh Paul Furlong Paul Furlong, wasn't Paul it? Furlong yeah. scored the goal wasn't um, that the one with the double fist handball into the goal? Yeah, and it was, you know, <laughs> it's just another game where there was an incredible, incredible atmosphere. Um, you know, and, and uh, so that was in... Nine, no, that wasn't... I'll, I'll find out. As we, as we go through it, I'll Google it. But, but yeah, but it's interesting that all these anniversaries of these iconic games are falling around this week. Yeah, well, you know, it's, um, it's the sort of 24-hour anniversary of the game against Leeds yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could look at it like that. Yeah. Um, there will always be an anniversary for every game, but it's amazing. You're right because these are all iconic games, um, and they all they all mean something in the fabric of Chelsea history. Um, yeah. That Barcelona game, though, I mean, that was some, that really was something. Is that else. the greatest game you've seen at the Bridge? Do you think? I suppose because of the level of competition we were playing. I guess it probably has to be. I mean, one of the greatest turnarounds will still always be that Liverpool game, you know, when Hughesy came on in the second half and against Vincenzo. Yeah, no, 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 against Liverpool. Oh, against Liverpool. Oh, that one. The, Sorry, that, in the FA the Cup. Four two. Yeah. Yeah, that four two. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that one. Yeah. That uh, was pretty yeah, that spectacular. Yeah, that was an amazing game. The Club Bruce was nineteen ninety five. Okay. God, that was really in Two our nil. Britpop days. That was. <laughs> That's when I don't remember so much of all the games. Um, but, Actually went but, to that game with Alan McGee, just to wrap that we, little story up. Well, Alan used to go in quite a bit, didn't he? We had he? a box. Yeah, Grace, exactly. Grace had a box in the East End um, that, you know, that, that we used to use. I was doing the commentary for Radio Chelsea at the time, so I never used to sit on it. I was in the press benches around for, for a lot of those games. But yeah, I remember we, standing, standing in the, the Matthew Harding stand with, uh, uh, with Alan McGee for that one. Oh, I so I say you, standing because we stood up for the whole game. So, yeah, no, I remember the box because I remember when I was ill with cancer. You uh, very kindly let me use the box. Oh. To, so yeah, I, I never forget things like that. There you go. We did. We went on some. You know, we went on some crazy trips. Do you remember we used to get limos up to Old Trafford and places like that with Alan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. He was like, because he was Scottish, obviously. He was like, should we just get a limo? Go out to go, you know, go see Old Trafford. And we used to go and get these like crazy chauffeur-driven cars because he had so much money, and and uh, we'd made so much money out of Oasis. We used to just go up in these chauffeur-driven cars and have these amazing nights out at, at away games. 
God, I forgot that. Yeah, we did. I mean, it was it was it was incredible actually. But we we took it. Don't you find it's weird because you take all that crap for granted, you know? I don't mean that nastily, but all those sort of the trappings of success. Yeah, you sort of don't even think about it. It just seemed very natural just yeah. to jump in the limo and go to Manchester um, on a whim, basically. Yeah. And because we had a because we had a box, we had easy access to away tickets. So that's, yeah, that's why we could so do it. It was ab- at, utterly fantastic. So all I can say is, cheers, Oasis. That's a very rare thing to hear said on a on a Chelsea podcast. I would guess. There you go. But there you go. Right. Okay. Look, this is buttering no parsnips, as my grandmother said. Well, actually, she never said it, and I've never quite understood it. But um, we should move on to football. So. Here we are, Saturday lunchtime, getting ready for what is one of those games that just makes you feel a little bit queasy. Just historically it does, doesn't it? Dirty Leeds at Elland Road. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Leeds is is one of those... You know, we used the word earlier, but they're an iconic op- opponent of us, aren't they? You know, in terms yeah. of, you know, there's so much history going back so far. I mean, who could forget the 1970 Cup final and and all the, you know, all the games and the dramas and the, you know, the, the hostility that went, you know, after that and before that. They've just always had, there's always been this strange chemistry between the two teams. Um, and obviously we hadn't played them for an awful long time in the league. Uh, at Ellen Road before this game. The last time I went to Ellen Road was for a League Cup game a few years back when Eden Hazard destroyed them um, in the League Cup, which was uh, uh, quite an experience to go up there with thousands of, of Chelsea fans. Um, and then I'd been a few times, been a few times in the nineties uh, to Ellen Road um, and, and seen some not not seen us do particularly well up there. Sort of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank beaters and various other people um but uh not not been a happy place to go and watch football for me i've never seen never seen this perform particularly well there no it's it's one of those places it just is a bit of a bogey ground so you know maybe we forget things like that because you're right because somehow history does repeat itself in football it's a very strange thing and then it's about trying to break the cycle um yeah no ellen road's not a very nice place i remember going there once uh, when I was at university in Manchester. Oh, you told me this. You told yeah. you've told this story, yeah. 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 So I, w- I won't say it again. But no, no, it's yeah. not that. It's just that I, I remember. I remember the story. It's yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it was pretty horrendous having yeah, to stand it's... in the Leeds end and say I was a Cockney white. Oh, yeah. I still feel dirty, yeah. but it did mean I didn't die, so that was good. Um, so, so yeah, the 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 team, the team that we picked. Now, look, we've tried week after week with Thomas. To try and predict his teams, did you see this team coming? I didn't. I said, well, no, not most of it. I mean, I mean, I'm still not sure what the formation was, are you? <laughs> no. I mean, having watched the game, I'm not sure what the formation was. I mean, a lot of people are saying it was 4-2-3-1. Some people are saying it was wing-backs with Pulisic playing at right wing-back, which I did say I thought might happen, um, you know, and, you know, and so, 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 the, so the way it could have been was either a back four of Azpilicueta, Christensen, Rudiger and Chilwell with uh, two number sixes in Kante and Jorginho, and then three, Pulisic, Ziyech and Mount behind Havertz as a nine, right? That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it was to have Pulisic and Chilwell as wing-backs with Azpilicueta, Christensen and Rudiger as a back three, Kante and Jorginho as a double six, uh, and three up front with Ziyech, uh, or, or rather Ziyech and Mount sitting behind Havertz. I mean, it's a really difficult one to figure out. I, I guess if, I mean, I guess I fall down on the four-two-three-one. One, I think. I think that's kind of where where it seemed to work. But I'm not. I'm not hundred convinced. Hundred percent convinced. I think it depends at what moment you looked at the game. Cause yeah. There was one one moment where you you texted me and said, "Up, oh, Pulisic definitely wing back." And then we never saw him in that position for the next. Well, 20 only minutes because he was starting on the right, you know. So yeah. I thought, why is he going to change a back three? Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. like you know, why is he going to change it? But you know, a, a large periods of the game, it definitely looked like a back four. 
Yeah, it did. It did. And they dropped in. What what I would say is in some ways it reminded me of the old Dutch principle of total football. Yeah. In the fact is, if there's space, go and fill it. If somebody's left it, um, if it looks as though we're having to defend, then we drop. It was all that kind of thing. It was very fluid. Um, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Yeah. Um, the one, one thing I would say... On the whole, Havertz was not a false nine. He was a nine. He yeah, well, Tuchel, back- Tuchel said that. Actually, came out and said that, didn't he? He said he, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't a false nine. He was a nine. I don't know why we've got this terrible thing where, if somebody's not a recognised striker, we just call him a false nine a lot of the well, time. That's why. But, that's why yeah. they do it. You know, they they just say, you know, you're basically a midfielder playing up front. So yeah, exactly. you know, that that's what <laughs> they're saying. But you know, we we know that he was essentially playing as a striker, and Tuca yeah. was very very um, vocal, basically saying, well, he likes playing up there, and he has got a record of scoring goals and making assists, and he is effective in that area. So let's not call him a false nine. Let's call him a nine. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, there's one thing I've just remembered I want to discuss before we carry on with tactics, because this may be a tactic in its own right. Have you noticed? My nephew Rich in Australia noticed this a few weeks ago. Tuchel seems a lot of the time to change his jacket at half time. No. He, he, yeah, he wears different jackets in the first half and the second half. Wow. So, so Rich noticed that. And Rich it, needs it, to get out a bit more. I will say that. Well, <laughs> he's, he's he focusing does. on those He's in details. Australia. It's warm and sunshine. <laughs> you know, but but I think it's a really odd thing. He, yeah, he seems to wear a dark jacket during the first half, and then wears a, a lighter um, tracksuit top in the second half. There's got to be some superstition in that, hasn't well, there? Either that, or he gets he get he gets so animated he overheats, and he needs to he needs to wear some lighter <laughs> some lighter outerwear. <laughs> In the second what, you mean half, his jacket's that's got probably sweaty. what it is, though, isn't it? He probably gets sweaty all sweaty, jacket. shouting and screaming at the players in the first half, and he has to, you know, sort of calm it down a little bit in the second half. Oh, you can see the title for this show is going to be "Sweaty Jacket" today. So <laughs> it's, it's a very, very strange. Bit. Well, we might. You see, the thing is, I'm going to have to ask a journo that I know to ask that question of him because Tuchel seems to all answer everything. So I, th- I think we should get someone to ask him the question because I'm really curious um, what it could be. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. Let's move back to the game. So, okay, there we've got this variable formation um i think there were certain things it it was an odd game wasn't it because we seem to not quite get going i mean to be fair leads were dirty leads straight from the off they kicked a few of us up in the air well we knew they were going to do that didn't we we knew that they were going to press that's their game they man mark and they press that's the two things that you know about leads yeah and they did it really rather uh, but uh, the one thing i would say is we're not shrinking violets anymore. I think there's a steel in this side that seems to be more prevalent than it has been for a couple of years. You know, when often with shirk tackles. I mean, you're even seeing Havertz getting stuck in now. And you remember what he was like. He didn't seem to like getting in stuck in earlier in the season. No, I think he's but, good. And also the ball's really sticking to him as well. And it yeah, wasn't it before. And I think that's interesting. You know, when, when you look at, you know, we talk about it, it's almost a mantra, really. Look at Drogba, look at Essien, look at Lampard, you know, their first seasons. One of the real key factors about was not the fact that they didn't score loads of goals, wasn't the fact that they didn't make assists, was the fact that the ball was bouncing off them um, because they were too too uptight. You know, they weren't relaxed. Um, you know, second season, they, 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 they put all that to rights. And if you look at a lot of those Drogba games, Particularly, just not couldn't track the ball. He couldn't get the ball under control, and I think that's that's a, a, a real first season issue for a lot of players coming in that are very tense. They don't want to make mistakes. They want to impress the manager and the fans, um, and they haven't relaxed enough. But I, what I'm really noticing with Habits now is the ball sticks to him. You know, when 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 he gets pinged into him, he controls it. He moves. You know, there's elements of his game that we'll come on and talk about that he needs to sort out. But I just think he's he's on an upward trajectory, and it's good to see. Yeah, it was also one of the things that really intrigued me was seeing how Mount and Havertz would play on the same side because it has been a discussion that could this be our Gerrard and Lampard problem Mm. Um, that actually are they or are they not really? I don't think I don't think Mount had a particularly good game. Going to put it out there. No, he didn't. Not Um, by his standards. It was, a, it, was a, it was a 7 out of 10 rather than his usual 8 or 9 out of 10. And I just think he, he didn't really affect the game, um, you know, which, which he has done in recent weeks. So, you know, I'm not going to get down on him about it. He's a, he's a superb player that's, you know, that's developing into a superstar, I think. Um, 
but I just don't think he necessarily affected the game as much as he has done in recent weeks. Yeah, and again, I'm I'm wondering if there's something where there's a bit of a crossover in the type of player they are because they didn't do too much link up. There was one really great exchange between the two of them, um, but most of the time they didn't get that close to each other. But um, going to Havertz, um, and I take on board everything you say about Mason as well. But going to Havertz, he didn't look bad as a number nine. He looked a little bit rusty with his shooting. But he was getting into the positions. Um, he certainly doesn't look out of touch. I thought he was actually a bit unlucky when people say, oh, he should have done better with that. I thought they actually, were half chances. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, there was one where, OK, so so there was a header opportunity, wasn't there? But, the, you know, the, the defender got right across him. I mean, it wasn't yep. clear cut. Maybe Giroud might have bullied him out of the way. I don't think Abraham would have done. You know, nope. Abraham, we know, is, is not, you know, he's not a, an elite header of the ball. Um, I think Giroud might have done. But, you know, I, I, that wasn't clear cut. The shot that he had, the, 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 the defender closed him down. Um, and people say, well, he had the, you know, he had the, the left-hand side of the goal to shoot into. I don't think he did. And also the goalkeeper, they're like, well, he stood his ground. I mean, that was half-decent stave. He stuck his arm out. You know, he hit the target. I don't, I, look, I don't think that was as bad and as clear-cut as people say it was. Yeah, I, I don't subscribe to, oh, Giroud would have put that away. It's what you always say about the the bloke who's not playing is the better player. Yeah, you know? I think uh, Harry Kane I, would have put it away. I think probably um, Mane or, or Salah would have put, put it away. I, 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 and I think probably Aguero would have put it away. But, you know, and they're the standards, you know, but they are, you know, dead-eyed, elite, world-class strikers. And I don't think we've necessarily got one of those at the moment. No, but I don't think many I, others necessarily would have done. I can't think of anybody else in our team that would have necessarily, you know, been ruthless enough to put that away. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe the issue is that we don't have that level of ruthlessness in a striker at the moment, and that's why he's playing there. Yeah, but for me also, there there is an opportunity for Havertz to turn himself into that player because of the amount of work that he can do and because of his intelligence, he could turn into a very intelligent number nine. Um, and I wonder if that's part of the thinking, because there is, there is no doubt we can't afford to have an, another £70 million player not in the team. So they've got to find a way to make him work, surely, don't they? Well, I Would just think they've got, to make it, well, they've got to make it work because he's such a good player. You know, and I think that's the thing is like, you know, he's wasted on the bench. I think he's a, he's a player that does affect games. You know, he does create opportunities. He does, you know, he does score goals. He hasn't, he didn't in that game, but you know, he, all the chances or most of the chances that came in that game came either via, via him or to him. You know, he's a player that is it's in the middle of the conversation every game, isn't he? So I think we've got to find a way to do it. Got to find a way to accommodate him and Mount. And I think what was really interesting about, the formation, the, the lineup yesterday was it, one of the reasons it was so fluid is to try and get around Bielsa's tactic, which is you know Bielsa we know plays four one four one. He man marks everybody. Jorginho was kind of marked out again, so how and, and we knew that was going to happen. So how do you create room and space, break the press, all that kind of stuff? Well, you keep it really fluid. You keep them guessing. You keep them moving. You don't. Get, you don't become static in your lines because that makes it easier for, for Leeds to, you know, to, to implement what they do really well, which is a high-tempo, high-energy pressing man-marking game. I think it was really interesting the way that he approached it. I don't know if you saw that stat, but that was the lowest amount of possession that Leeds had had in 120 games under Bielsa. You know, so there was definitely method in Thomas Tuchel's madness. You know, you're a goalkeeper's hand away from getting a result in that game and everybody would have turned around and said, genius. The fact that we didn't get a goal on the board, everybody's going, oh, well, yeah, we stand on that. We've got nothing up front. Got nothing up front. We're completely toothless. I'm completely forgetting about the fact that we've beaten Spurs and Liverpool and Everton and Atletico Madrid and others during the time that Thomas Tuchel's been there. You know, so I think people need to get a little bit of perspective and calm down. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and let's not forget... Some of the greatest sides in the world have won games 1-0 with one shot on goal. I think of you know, Germany in, in World Cups have won games 1-0, just one chance, 
and it goes in. So I, I totally subscribe to, to what you're saying. Don't get me wrong down. as well. Don't get me wrong. You know, I do think that we could be a little bit more adventurous and a little bit more ruthless up front. I mean, I'm not blind. I mean, I watch the game. I've got eyes. You know, I can see that, you know, it's frustrating that we're not scoring more goals. So, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't take the chances that we created. But am I panicking? No. Not at all. I mean, I think we've got an incredibly solid defence. 12 games, two goals. One of those was an own goal. You know, that's remarkable. The clean sheets is remarkable. Now, you know, people that watch football go, yeah, we're not really interested in clean sheets. But you should be. You should be interested in clean sheets because that is what makes great teams. A solid defence is the foundation on which great teams are built. We've sorted that element out of it. Now we move forward to, you know, to creating chances and and, and scoring goals. That's the next bit of it. But you can't do that without having a solid defence because what that means is you go forward you score loads of goals and you lose and nobody wants that I don't want that you don't want that nobody wants that so again get some perspective on what's happening here I I will come to the defense in a minute because there's a few things that came out yesterday that I think uh, are worth talking about but I I just want to carry on about this creation um, and creativity up front Um, I do think it was one of those games you could imagine someone like Fabregas finding that ball you know I, I was thinking about this the other day about Fabregas uh, that goal against Burnley that he set up for Schürrle the ball that just comes from nowhere that takes everyone by surprise and I guess what we're looking from Ziyech is to be a little bit like that to yeah. create that moment of magic he had one pass in the whole game and the rest of the game seemed to pass him by are you concerned about how things are panning out for Ziyech at the moment? Been so stop-start for him this year with injuries, in and out, and he looked really frustrated when he came off as well. Yeah. I, I, well, you can't help but be concerned, but you, again, I use the word perspective. Have a look at it. I mean, I think that here's a player, along with Havertz and uh, Werner, um, who's come from a different league into a country where they, I don't know what their support base is like in terms of family, in the middle of a pandemic where they can't properly socialise and integrate as well as they would do in a normal season. They've come here, they haven't been given a, a, a consistent run of games, they're being played in different positions, they're having to learn a different system. I think it's uh, it's concerning that we're not seeing the Ziyech that we bought, who we knew was you know the IX player four years in a row, uh, who had such an incredible uh, record of assists and goals. We're not seeing that at the moment but will we see it i think so i think we'll see it i think we'll see the re- the rebirth of pulisic i think we'll, i think we'll see Werner score goals and i think we'll see Havertz turn into the generational player that he is i genuinely believe all those things but we have to be patient and we have to give them time and also i think we won't see the potential of these players until next year i think a lot of these guys just need some people in the ground to, to feed off, to understand where they are I think that's and what true. they belong to. I think um, that's true. I think the other thing as well, somebody said, yeah, but, you know, we sign all these players and, and how many of them actually go on and, you know, and push on in the second season? And somebody went, well, OK, De Bruyne, <laughs> Salah, Lukaku, and listed off a load of players that we'd sold too early because we lost faith in them and we didn't back them, who went on to, you know, to blossom. And I think we've always got to keep that in the back of our head, that that if you write a player off too early, it will come home to bite you. So calm down, back these players, support the team, enjoy what's going on, and, you know, and hope that they will find their feet and their confidence. Because a lot of it's just confidence. That sort of slight second of hesitancy before they, you know, before they they shoot or or, or take their chance, that's what's costing us at the moment. It's just confidence. But I can feel the swagger coming back into this team. I can see it coming back. I can see some of the passing moves we're doing are so much more fluid and confident than they have been. And it's just going to take a little bit of time. So I think we just need to, to have a little bit of delayed gratitude here and and not be so entitled yeah I'd agree with that as well Uh, and moving on to somebody who I think it's been an odd week in the press for him and I think has been real media mischief and I really don't like it because I don't think it's based on truth the stories that Pulisic is unhappy oh stop reading him Kerry no but you know it it, it but stop reading them 
well, I don't really. I just hear the the aftermath of people talking about it because it's nonsense. You know, the guy has had a really very, very bad hamstring injury. And you can see over the last few weeks, there's been signs of him coming back to fitness. And you saw a few things that he did against Leeds. OK, I, I still don't think he's 100% fit. But you can see what he brings to the side. When he's 100%, he is going to be our number one player. There's no doubt about it. And there were signs of it against Leeds, don't you think? Yeah, there were. Listen, I'm not going to comment on any stupid media stories. I mean, you know my position on that. So I'm just not going to comment on it because they're ridiculous. Um, in terms of whether... But, you know, Pulisic can never get back to where he where he was. I think so. I think I think the great template and the example of that is Callum Hudson Odoi, who was injured really badly with an Achilles injury and looked like he was done. Looked like he was cooked for months afterwards. When he came back, he he wouldn't sprint. He wouldn't take people on. He looked like he was really not enjoying playing football. He looked hesitant. He looked timid. And you know, I for one was one of those people going, well, maybe maybe he's cooked. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe he's never going to get it back. And look at him now. You know, we just stuck yeah. by him. We kept with him three or four months in, four or five months in, whatever it was. He's gradually got back into it. He's gradually got his mojo back. And now he's looking like the dangerous player that we all got excited about. And I genuinely think that when Pulisic gets more confidence in that injury, gets more confidence mentally and starts to, you know, enjoy playing football again, I think he's going to have that joie de vivre that we saw before. And as you say, he's going to become an incredibly potent player for us. Yeah, and I think all you're seeing is a player learning to trust his body again because those that's are the exactly kind of my point. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, exactly. Point. so you know and when Callum came on that was interesting as well because he was a different dynamic and he did different things and he he brings something to the party as you're saying and it's great to see players like him come on okay he's sitting this one out he's coming off the bench that's it at this moment in time I think Tuchel has got them all buying into the fact that my main point of Leeds, the Leeds game, is the fact that what we are seeing, why we can't pick the same side as Tuchel, is because there is no such thing at this moment in time as a Chelsea eleven. There is a Chelsea squad and that is it. Well, and what you're also seeing is a manager that's trying to match teams for opposition which I like I've always advocated that yeah it's like don't just stick you know your in, in inverted commas untouchables out on the pitch and stick them in the same formation keep your fingers crossed and hope it works you know that doesn't work in the modern game it doesn't you know Frank's 4-3-3 just got old it got old it just didn't you know it didn't have the the dynamism you know that could be sustained over over a whole season you know and I just felt that you know shutting players out you know uh, Rudiger what a great game he had yesterday you know completely shut out by Frank Alonso when he's come in you know various other Aspilicueta you know various other players that have come in under Tuchel that were out in the cold you know it's a great lesson in not shutting players out in in keeping them close and making sure that that they they understand that it's a squad game I think that's a really that's a really skilled bit of management. I think he's doing it very well. And the idea that, you know, that, that there is any untouchables in that squad, there may be a couple in his head that, he, that are going to be the first name on the team sheet. But I don't think generally, I think it's going to be quite a fluid squad. And if the players buy into it and he manages it well, that's fantastic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if you can look at the bench and see Marcus Alonso knows that unless there's an injury, he's probably not going to play. And he's sitting there smiling and chatting to everyone. You know, things are working okay. He goes, okay, I'm going to be not playing for a couple of games, then I'll be back in. Um, I mean, all those players on the bench yesterday. So you are, you know, Kepa, you know, whatever. Um, but you've got Alonso, Werner, Zuma, Kovacic, Giroud, Hudson, Adoy, James, and Emerson. All those players you know are going to play significant amounts this season. You know, none of those players there are, you know, just put on the bench to give them a bit of experience in the first team. All of those players, you wouldn't be surprised apart from maybe Kepa, if any of those players started the next game. No. You know, exactly. so that's the I for me, that's the that's the sign of a of a good, strong squad. You know, these are these are not, you know, perma subs. These are not people that, you know, you always see on the bench and they may get ten minutes at the end of the game. Someone like Kovacic or Zuma or Werner or Alonso or Giroud or Hudson Adoy or James, maybe not so much Emerson, but those ones, all of those people, if they started the next game, you'd go fair enough. And that's great. Yeah. The one person I think may be a little concerned at the Zuma. moment is Tammy. Oh, you think no, so? I mean, well, so it's, you know, from that. Oh, well, Tammy, Tammy's injured, though. 
Oh, is he? Yeah, he's got an ankle knock. That's why he's not oh, playing. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's good. I, I, because he did say the other week that he wasn't on the bench just because he didn't pick him, and that was it. Yeah, but um, I think he's he's suffered a little bit in training this week. He's, oh, okay. he's felt he's felt his knock. You know, I think he's, uh, you know, wants to bring him back. I don't think that. Um, I don't think. I think Tammy's going to get more opportunities to prove himself. I don't think Tammy has necessarily you know absolutely you know got the trust of the manager 100% at the moment and and to me that's fair enough i don't think he has played at the level the you know Tuchel's thinking well he's he's an absolute bang on starter on you know first name on the team sheet he's still got a bit to prove to Tuchel that he can he can hold that line up front so Tammy's got a little bit of work to do and i think that's fair enough he's a young player with with a bit to prove and he should he should embrace that challenge in the same way that Mason Mount and Reese James and some of the other younger players and are. Callum and Callum yeah you know yeah, i mean Callum's you know Callum Callum came through the t- this period with flying collars it's up to tammy not to sulk about it come on and show the manager what he can do did you see that great quote from reese james this week no when they said they asked him um what he thought about you know starting and then not starting and then being on the bench he said it's a squad game and that's what we we all support i i know i'm not going to start every game and i will be on the bench that's how we work it we're all happy with that i i just thought it was brilliant easy. He's he's just everything that I learn about Reese James makes me realise he's a very classy guy, um, and hats off to him. All the other work he does outside of football yeah, as well. I think he's got you a know, lot. Of I em- like him. He's got a lot of emotional intelligence. Yes, you know, good, you know, which I, I like in a player. You know, a player with emotional intelligence, I think, is great because it means they have passion for the game. You know, but they also have empathy. They have an understanding of what the group dynamic is. They they understand, you know, emotionally and mentally how to carry themselves. And I think that's just as important as having great technique and great fitness. I think you know, I, I like an emotionally intelligent player, and I think that that Reese is 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 definitely in that category. Not just because he's done fantastic work with food banks and 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 other supportive organizations around the pandemic and that's massively to be applauded but the way he's conducted himself you know as he's come into the Chelsea first team in the spotlight under the pressure that he has I think it's been very impressive and I can I think I can say that for all of all of the young players I think they've they've been a real credit to themselves to their families and to the team right well look on that note of credit because they all deserve it we're going to go to the commercial break and when we come back we'll talk about the defense If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. Right, on to the defence. Now, there, there were certain things about the defence, but I think... The first thing we should discuss is potentially our man of the match was our goalkeeper. There were two saves that he made. One you thought, oh, he'd missed it, but actually he'd tipped it onto the bar. Incredibly, actually. It looks though that stopped that being a goal. And the other one was when he was going the wrong way and he reached out that hand and not only stopped the ball, but pushed it away as well. Mm. Do you not think... We're seeing, and and this is something I would talk about all the defenders, we are seeing there seems to be more coaching done with players and players have advanced as defenders more than any other part of the field. You know, we we look at the resurgence of Rudiger. We look at, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the worry about Mendy and, oh, he comes out too much, he gets too far. He's doing it far less. And he's thinking more. He's still making a few little errors here, but they're far fewer than they were. And he looks more confident. That um, they're obviously working on everyone. Reese James, I'm I'm sorry, but he has come on leaps and bounds defensively in the last couple of months, without a doubt. 
Christensen, as we know, has had a great time. Although, to be fair, he did one of those Barcelona passes against Leeds um, where he just suddenly gave it to one of them, which was a concern, um, but seemed to shake that out of his system. Um, and, you know, you'll allow the odd mistake. But don't you think it looks as though they're being coached Well, more? you've kind of answered a lot of your own questions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, no, no, yeah. don't apologise. I mean, I think you've, you've made a very good case for all of those players. And I think that, um, you know, it's... Uh, it, uh, it, look... One thing I will pick you up on, I don't think Mendy was man of the match. You know, I think that for me, that was N'Golo Kante, who I thought was unbelievable. Again, you know, I thought he was incredible. You know, closely followed by Antonio Rudiger, who was also superb. I thought Mendy was great. It was great to see Mendy playing well because, A, he hasn't had a lot to do in recent in recent weeks, if we're honest. He hasn't really had a lot to save because the defence in front of him has been so so good and so well drilled um, so it was good to see him you know being in the game and doing well the, you know particularly the save when he was going the wrong way was great the little tip onto the bar as you as you notice um, you know the one worry you've got with 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 Mendy is the ball at his feet and his decision making when it's there but you know that seems as you say to be to be coached coach well and, and so I, I'm, I've got a little bit more confidence in him than I had done in 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 recent weeks all those players you mentioned, Christensen, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, Chilwell, I mean, they're superb. I mean, what a brilliant defensive unit we've got at the moment. You can't argue with one goal from open play in 12 games. Is astonishing. You know, a clean sheet run that's the envy of anybody in all the European leagues at the moment. Um, and the lease of life that all three of those players have got. Aspiliqueta was not, you know, somebody who was somebody at the very forefront of Frank's plans. Rudiger was out in the cold. Christensen was out in the cold. You know, what a resurgence. I mean, credit to Thomas Tuchel for bringing those players in and giving them the the system, the formation, the chemistry, whatever you want to call it, to play at the level they are. It's astonishing, Kerry. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it also engenders such support from those guys because, you know, what must it be like to be not part of the group, as invariably a lot of these players weren't, you know. What's it like to be the club captain and not playing, you know, with Azpilicueta? I mean, what what an unbelievable professional that man is. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You've never heard him bitch. You've never no. heard him be negative. You know, he he is a role model, you know, for every professional footballer at this level. You know, here's a guy that's that's won so much in the game and, and been such an amazing uh, performer, not only for this club, but for his country. And yet he, there's no ego there. It doesn't seem to be any ego. There's no toys being thrown out of prams when he's not picked. There's no, I should be in there. He's a player that understands what his role within the squad is, understands that he's a role model. I, I just have nothing but admiration and respect for Aspilicueta. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it's obvious that he has handled the whole Reese James situation in such a gentlemanly way. There mm. is no doubt Reese James is the heir apparent. But as we've seen, he's needed to learn certain things, and that seems to be going on now. Well, he's the and heir apparent in a four. He's yeah. not necessarily the heir apparent in a three. And that, that's the no. thing, is because he's playing three at the back doesn't mean that Reese James is in direct competition with Dave. No, but I think it'd be very interesting what this does is it allows a safer environment for Rhys James to learn how to be defensively so that ultimately one day he may end up in the right of a three if needs be yeah. and be very good at it. Yeah. This this is it's it's a it's a win-win situation I think. I think back. when 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 he looks back on his career I think Rhys James will look at as Pelicueta and 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 credit him for being an an amazing mentor. Because yeah. I can't believe that, you know, in training, you know, around the club, that, that Azpilicueta is anything but generous with his time and his support of other players. Yeah, I, I, I'm certain you're right. Um, you, you wouldn't say that about all players. You wouldn't no, say that about, about some of our players, that they no. were going to be generous with their time and their mentorship. You know, a lot of our players, are, you, know, uh, you know, care solely for themselves, you know, particularly creative flair players, because, you know, in some ways that's the mentality that comes with that, you know. But I just think that, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due to proper professionals in our squad, and, and, and Azpilicueta definitely is one. Yeah, and as for man of the match, I can't give it to Kante. It was too obvious. So I'm giving it to <laughs> Mendy. Can't, can't, can't say it's too obvious. <laughs> it is. He's just turned into... Okay, 
200 million pounds do you sell Kante? No, not at the moment. I just think no, he's, he's, he's peak Kante, you know, and I think that... He's back. He's, he's back, back, you know. I think I think we both went through a period where we were like, is it worth, you know, this, this yeah. injured, sort of broken down version of Kante? This sort of, you know, this limping version of Kante who can't seem to function in our midfield is, is it worth keeping him or do we cash in? I think we both had those thoughts. Um, but no, I mean, look, I, I've always loved peak Kante um, and you know it's nice to have him back because it you know it's such a cliche but it really is like having two players out there and also he's he is actually doing some of the stuff that we were worried about him doing say under Sarri you know where he's not necessarily just a holding midfielder he suddenly bursts forward 40 yeah. yards well he did so much work covering covering Jorginho yesterday because yeah uh, almost like you kn- it was almost like Jorginho was on the pitch as bait it was almost like he was on there to attract Leeds players, you yeah, know, to, to, to mark him. The and, honey uh, trap. Yeah, it was almost like he was there to, to distract, you know, while, while Kante did it. But it did mean that Jorginho wasn't really in the game because, you know, because he couldn't function when he, when he hasn't got any time and space. But it did give space for Kante to do his thing. And, yeah. you know, he just covered so much ground. He did all the dirty work. He chased lost causes. He does all the things that we love. Kante doing, he wins the ball high up the pitch, he triggers attacks, you know, I just think that when Kante is is at this level, he is untouchable in world football. Yeah, I, I agree. And he gets far less bookings as well. Yeah. You know, because he's just on it. And he knows when to go in and when not to. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I also that want to he, re-emphasize how good Rudiger was as well. I mean, you know, he's a player yes, that's been was. a little bit marmite with the fan base. You know, he's he's not. He didn't have great. He's had poor periods during his time at Chelsea, where he's made mistakes. He hasn't looked confident. He's he's been rash. But I thought he was superb yesterday. He mopped up. He was brilliant positionally. He made two or three amazing blocks and clearances. I just think give credit to that guy for, you know, for for sticking at it and uh, regaining the form that we know he has. I just think he's such an asset to the team. Yeah, and and to be fair, he's suddenly become this marauding guy, you know, that suddenly Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. That was yeah. interesting. He's obviously been given licence to do that. And, yeah. you know, I, I, distribution is not is not one of his strong points, I don't think. But with the ball at his feet charging forward... I think he's actually quite he's actually quite dangerous, you know. So th- that's something that I think Tuchel has identified and said, "Fill your boots." In the same way that other managers have have kind of identified David Luiz's ability to ping a long ball. It's like you know, sometimes you look at a player and go, "Well, that's a strength." Let's, you know, some managers did that with John Terry, didn't they? John Terry was always good with the ball with the ball at his feet, you know, and, and got forward on occasions. And you know, Mourinho, I think, noticed that in John Terry. So I think it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that Tuchel's seeing those little nuances in players and saying, "Well, let's let's use that. Let's use." That strength and god knows what he'll discover in a in a real pre-season for next yeah. year and christensen again you know i didn't think christensen had his had his best game of recent weeks i thought he made a few few sort of clangers in in the first half particularly but it wasn't bad and i think that um you know again he's a player that's you know that's really reveling in the responsibility that he's been given um and just needs to keep focused and needs to keep concentrating and needs to keep going on an upward trajectory because if we can keep you know particularly christensen and we know how good asper is but if we can keep christensen and rudiger going at that level then, boy, have we got a defensive unit. Particularly, Thiago Silva can't get into this team. That's how good it well, is. Well, I said this to you a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and you said, no way you're walking. Well, I'm, I, might, I might be prepared to withdraw that, because I just Thank think you. that it's... Well, no, I mean, you know, you have to, don't you, really? And yeah, I think that, you, you know, if you look at um, you look at how good it's going at the moment, it may be disruptive to bring it in. I'm not saying that, that Thiago Silva wouldn't do a, an amazing job, but there seems to be a real chemistry between that back three, particularly. So yeah, really, there is. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, actually? The one that area that gets changed far less than anywhere else is that back three yeah okay we've had Zuma come in and and what have you and it's been different now and then but on the whole the go-to three at this moment in time is those three and we all know we all know don't we that great teams are built on consistent solid you know Terry Carvalho 
uh, Ferrero, you know, uh, coal, you know, that, I mean, that rarely changed, did it? You know, you'd no, have to, there'd right. have to be a real calamity to, to, to shift that for, um, yeah. you know, and great teams, you know, even the, you know, the, the great defensive Arsenal team of, you know, Adams, Keown, Winterburn and, and Dixon, you know, that rarely changed, did it? You know, and, and you can look at Man United teams and, and all that kind of stuff. And you start messing about with the back four, you've got an issue, I think, you know, so the fact that we're starting to get some consistency and solidity into that back three, that back four, I like that I'm a, I'm a fan of that yeah I'm, I'm with you on that so yeah anyway that was the Leeds game um there was a lot to like it's a draw we move on don't worry about it you know after all Burnley did a favor against Everton I'm sure United will probably do West Ham later so actually we'll end up a point further ahead and who knows what will happen with Arsenal and Tottenham but hopefully they just destroy each other um okay look this is cup week coming up andy we've got two very interesting games they're always interesting because they've got chelsea in them we've got atletico coming up this week and then we've got sheffield united atletico oh we are going to see the dark arts aren't Mm. we at at stamford bridge that suarez i guarantee will go over clutching his face or something in the first 15 minutes. No mm. doubt. Oh, yeah. Oh, we know this. We, we know what's going to happen in that game. Listen, I mean, I think the key thing with that game is not to assume that it's over by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I think that there was a real complacency after we beat them in Bucharest, you know, with, from some people going, oh, well, that's that then. You know, that's, well, we, we'll just stroll into the next round. It's like, no, we won't. It's 1-0. You know, we've got an away goal. That's brilliant. Um, but, yeah, you know, and, and I just think that it's it's still a knife edge for me because they're a really, really good team. Um, we had the measure over of them in, in Bucharest. They've got to come to our place now. Um, you know, I think I think I think we've got enough. I think we'll beat them. But it's going to be nervy. I, I'm not I'm not going to relax in this game at all. Are you? No, no, not in the slightest. I actually think we need to win. Because uh, you, you know that you can say, well, if we get the draw, we're probably all right. Well, if it's a two-all draw, no, you're not. Uh, yes, you are, rather. I mean, if we get the draw, we'll be all right. But I think we will need to win this game. Well, how will we be all right? Because we'd have scored an away goal and they would have scored an away goal. No, but if it's two-all, then no, that's what I meant. As long as it's a draw, we'll be okay. Won't we? Because we won 1-0 there. So we'll always have one more than them if we draw. <laughs> Mathematically. No, because they'll get. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, I confused yeah, yeah. the issue. Uh, yeah, to yeah. Start no, no, with. My, my fault. My fault. I'm, yeah. I'm being stupid. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, um, but so, no, I think I think you're right. We do, um, we do, uh, we do need to win. Just, just you know, mentally for us, I think. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, because Simeone is a, he's a he's a bloody good coach. Yeah, and he's yeah. also a you know a, a, you know he's he's somebody um the polite way of saying it is the dark arts you know he will instruct his players to go out there and 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 take any advantage fair or foul to win this game you know suarez is the king of the dark arts um you know we saw that with the pinching of rudiger's thigh in the i mean this is just a this is just a, an aperitif of what he's going to do at the bridge you know yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if he you know bites someone's nose off i mean he's that you know he's such an appalling human being um you know and uh, you know just a horrible person to watch so yeah i mean there's him but he's not the only one in that team you know they've got people that will be getting up to all sorts so they're going to need a very strong referee i think and uh, and a lot of um uh, you know a lot of calm heads from our players who, who can't get involved in any of that nonsense See, I, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what he does up front as well. Whether Giroud comes in, I don't think he'll play Havertz in that role because Mount's suspended. I reckon he'll drop Havertz back to where Mount would be. I think that's a good shout. Yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think he'll play Giroud. Yeah, I, that, that's how I've. It, there's no way it's Tammy. Um, I am which cue Tammy starts, but um, yeah, I, I see it as Giroud and Havertz will come into the Mount role. Uh, that's what I think. Um, yeah, it's going to be fascinating, right? Well, what's your prediction for that one then, please? I think another one nil, two nil on aggregate. Okay, uh, I'm going to go two one. Just to make it a little bit nervy. Well, for that us. would be nervy. Yeah, it would be. It would be really very unpleasant. <laughs> Sounds good. Three one on Especially aggregate. Especially if they score first. Yeah. No. Uh, do, please, please don't say things like that. 
it's still a few days away. You'll get me getting nervous from now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. All right. And then at the weekend, we have um, Sheffield United in the Cup. This yeah. Is a interesting one, odd. this one, isn't it? It's, it's interesting what his mindset on this is, whether he thinks, well, oh, I could win a trophy in my first season. Um, and that'll make me, you know, that, that'll give me uh, a certain amount of, of um, time, you know, and, and, you know, buying from the fans. Or whether he just treats it like another game and you know and or rotates or it's really interesting to think how he's thinking about it i, I get the feeling that you know we'll get some we'll, we'll get some freshen freshen up of the squad and the team in that game um a bit like we did against barnsley so yeah we will be we'll beat sheffield united surely we have to beat them they're so bad three yeah, nil. three yeah. nil three nil yeah i'm i'm gonna go i think we need a, a good little hat full of goals i'm gonna go four nil okay Somebody's going to cop it off us. Somebody's yes. somebody's going to somebody's going to cop a you know right enough of this missing chances and not taking opportunities. Somebody's going to cop four or five goals against us. Yeah, I, I really really hope so. Um, in fact, I like it to be Atletico. Really, yeah, um, <laughs> that would be the one I'd really like. And then you know a scraggy one nil against Sheffield United would do me if we beat Atletico four nil. But I think it's unlikely. Uh, they just don't concede very many goals. Right, well, look, that's it. We're, we're out of time. Andy, what's the best way for people to get in touch with us? Well, on your social medias, you can uh, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Chelsea Podcast. Um, you can follow me on Mr. A. Saunders. You can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, on Instagram, it's at the Chelsea Podcast, or I'm on at One True Saunders, and Kerry is on Kerry Levy One. There we go. Well, that's it for another week. Enjoy Cup Week, everybody, and see you all next time round. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.